they don't shy away from talking about what they suck at or doing what they suck at. I'll give an example. When you first start trying to work out, you're going to learn new ways to squat. You're going to new new aspects of conditioning. And there's a lot of these skills you're just going to suck at. Welcome to the Fitness Forever podcast, where I share with you the exact habits, actions, and strategies that I've used over the last 15 years running 27,000 personal training sessions to build the exact framework to help you feel better than you ever have without hurting or hating the process. You're going to hear exact case studies from myself and some of the best coaching minds in this industry. Thank you for listening. I hope you put into action what you hear today and subscribe. People ask me all the time, what is the best path? What is the best strategy, the best supplement, the best plan, best workout, all of the above. And what I tell them is, is it does look different from individual to individual, but my most successful clients do a lot of the same things that build their overall foundation and framework. It might be little individual things that we tweak from client to client, but a lot of the big rocks are similar from person to person. And so I am a huge fan of the phrase, success leaves clues. And if a lot of people are doing the same thing that creates the same desirable outcome, it's probably worth considering its use. I think we're always looking for something new and something different. When successful things or successful outcomes and the strategies to get there have been shown over and over and over again. And so in today's podcast, just doing it a little bit differently. And I want to just talk about a whole list of all the things that many of my successful clients have made a part of their day-to-day routine. So let's dive in. Number one, when pain shows up, they show up. This is a scary one because a lot of times when you feel like something is tweaked or you feel a flare up, you feel pain show up in a cranky knee or shoulder, the first thought is to rest. And that could be useful for you, but the majority of my clients that see long-term success, when they have pain, they do everything they can to still make their way into the gym. And that's because if a shoulder is hurting, we still have three other limbs that we can work. We have a heart, we have lungs, we have you know mental health that we can tap into. And so... Often, when people actually show up, they find that, one, they build resilience because they now are in pain and understand that their body still can operate in many other ways. And two, often that the... And two, for them, just getting moving oftentimes sees pain dissipate or go away in that it was just an overall flare-up. And flare-ups can happen for a number of reasons. So when pain shows up, they show up. Number two... They always scheduled the whole week in advance. Every single client I see that operates on this day-to-day, hey, I might make it in today, or I'm always having to text and ask, when are you going to be in next? They tend to have more trouble. The ones that on their Sunday, they schedule out the whole week in advance, see more consistency, see more long-term success. They stress less because they always know when they're going to work out. And often, I apply this to any new habit. If you learn something new, you schedule it in. If it is a plan to work on your breakfast, you schedule in when you're going to be having that breakfast. If it's a plan to get better at making sure you have food on hand, it's scheduling in when you're going to DoorDash your groceries or go to the grocery store. 
And so scheduling the whole week in advance is a huge sign of success for my clients. The next thing would be the idea of profit first workout style. If you've ever heard of the profit first system, it applies to our finances and the idea for both businesses and personal use of, I want to put my profit into an account first before I go pay out all of the you know, expenses of my month, pay all my different bills. And so if we apply this to workouts, it would say, hey, I'm actually going to schedule in my workouts first before I put in all my social gatherings, all my work meetings, and, and, and. So when I make that the priority, I'm building my schedule around my health instead of trying to fit my health into my schedule. And it's a weird shift at first, but it's a helpful shift that learns to such long-term consistency that it just truly becomes embedded in what you do. And a lot of times when people start, they're like, man, I really just wish it was just my routine. I wish it was just part of what I do. And then when I give suggestions or steps to make it a part of what you do, a lot of are like, oh, no, no, no. I just got, I got this meeting and I got that meeting. And at first, you're going to feel like you can't make this happen. There's no way that you can put the working out as a priority. But until you try it and start realizing that you can move your schedule around in different ways to support that, then you'll never know. Real quick, friends, this podcast is definitely just getting off the ground, and we would love to help more people just like you find their way in fitness and level up in the process. If you could just help me out for just one second and share this podcast with a friend, it would be much appreciated. Now, back to the framework. The next one is number four, and the amount of drinking and alcohol in their life is low, if not non-existent. I totally recognize the social aspect of drinking, the joy in having a good cocktail, uh, tasting a great beer. But when it comes to weight loss, those that drink more than one to two nights a week have significantly more trouble losing weight. There's a lot of factors that go into this, but I'll keep it simple. One, their eating is tends to be pretty affected by the nights that they do drink, especially if they have more than one or two. The next day after drinking is affected not only from a pure actual science of how our body tries to get rid of alcohol, but oftentimes we feel a little groggier, our sleep wasn't great, so it'll start affecting the next day and the next day. And so those that have success with weight loss, they start creeping their alcohol content down for many almost to zero. And then if you want to talk about not just weight loss, but how somebody feels, mind that drink more frequently on a week, have more trouble in how they feel, how their sleep quality is. And so Working to cut drinking down or out is beneficial for 99% of our, the people we work with. Number five, they talk about activities besides the gym. The workout is a means to an end. It is not the end. There is nothing wrong with you know competitive style lifting and finding all the cool ways to make working out a end goal like races and CrossFit, et cetera, et cetera. But when we make the gym the means to the end, it allows us to not become so emotionally swung by how the gym is going, but also we see the outcome from our work in the gym more tangibly because we recognize how we feel in those other activities. And so many of my clients that have long-term success, they are hiking, they are playing pickleball, they are talking about going and playing yard games, all these different things that are outside the gym driven, not only does it drive up activity on your week, but there's just an enjoyment factor. It's fun. 
And I think we forget how valuable fun is when it comes to movement and exploring how our body operates. Number six, let's talk about movements in the gym. Our most successful long-term clients make sure that they learn to goblet squat before they barbell squat. They learn to dumbbell or kettlebell RDL before they barbell deadlift. They maybe get the ability to do some push-ups and dumbbell benches before they do barbell bench. They learn to control their shoulders before going overhead. What I'm getting at is my successful clients check boxes. They earn their progress. They do not just throw themselves into everything that they don't have range of motion for, skill for, or access to, and they don't find themselves getting hurt. Sure, aches can happen. When you push, there's things that can occur. But if you skip steps, you are typically asking yourself to run into trouble later. Number seven, we're looking at clients that initially don't care about the how. They are not married to one particular approach. They are not emotionally swung by not doing boot camp style or not front squatting or and, and, and. Because when you focus on the outcome that you're getting and the individual actions to get there, and you don't care how that approach actually lays out, you now open yourself up to more consistent progress because you're not locked into feeling like you have to do one way. I'll give an example. Somebody comes to me and they are really annoyed that they're not front squatting. And they're annoyed that their conditioning isn't paired with 10 other things to make them super, super tired. And then they're wondering why I'm not doing things like burpees in my conditioning. But when I look at their skills for each of those things, they actually don't have the strength level to tolerate high amounts of work. They have ranges of motion that are low or they're brand new on these skills. And so what happens is they spend all that time wishing and wanting those particular things to be in there. So they either don't show up, they don't push at all. And so they actually don't progress versus just taking that step back and saying, okay, just get me to my goal no matter how I go about it. And those people progress every single week until they get there. Number eight, not every workout is a 10. What I mean by this is my most successful long-term clients recognize the need for balance and moderation. They recognize the desire or the times that are worth pushing to a 10, pushing to discomfort, getting a little unsure of if you're going to make it through the workout, but they also are okay with having sixes and sevens and eights in intensity because those are the ones that are going to move them forward and keep them consistent and keep them showing up. If you do a 10 all the time, the whole phrase, go big or go home, you'll typically go home. But if you never push, you'll also never progress. And so there's a balance, but recognizing not every workout has to be a 10 is important for long-term success. On the heels of that, number nine, when they feel like a four, they show up and they warm up. We call it activation energy. Get through the warm up and then you could decide whether or not this workout's for you today. Even better would be on a day you feel like a four, attempt to push like you're feeling like an eight or nine and build some mental resilience. This doesn't have to be an all the time, but all of my clients that can lean into that concept, they can tolerate more over the long term. Number 10. They let themselves sit with discomfort temporarily. And I'm going to give multiple examples here. When you're trying to lose weight and you're hungry and you go into a meal, sit with it. Sit for 10 minutes, recognize your hunger, notice if you're truly hungry or if it's a psychological kick for you. 
So when you go into a harder workout, maybe it's the assault bike where you're about to go, you know, a hard push and you know it's about to be uncomfortable, you know you're going to be out of breath, sit with it. Recognize that you're okay, focus on your breathing and come out on top, come out fine. Or maybe you're leaning into a new job, a new environment, a new relationship. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Just sit with it briefly, recognize how it feels. You will start noticing a better mental and physical awareness of how you operate and you'll improve as a result. Number 11, they use their calls. They lean on the coaches around them. I'll give an example here. I run a four-week program that is very intensive in that there are multiple one-on-ones. There are coaching calls every single week. There are training sessions throughout. We really fast track 12 weeks of training down into four weeks. And I have been able to look at this over the last year and seen enough people that the ones that do not use their weekly calls have taken longer to get to their goals or have been more likely to quit. And I'll tell you why. I think most people avoid calls because it makes them actually address and face where they struggle. And nobody wants to do that. But if we lean into that initial discomfort from that call and recognize, you know what, I do need to talk about my struggle to actually get up and get moving on a day. I do need to talk about my snacking habits after nine o'clock and how I tend to, you know, almost binge eat on chips before going to bed each night. They lean into that discomfort and they go into it and say, you know what, I know that my coaches are not here to judge me. I know my coaches are here to help me. And they, they access those calls and they start recognizing both an internal and external accountability that helps them move forward. Number 12, they don't shy away from talking about what they suck at or doing what they suck at. I'll give an example. When you first start trying to work out, you're going to learn new ways to squat. You're going to new new aspects of conditioning. And there's a lot of these skills you're just going to suck at. And you need to lean into it and be okay with it. My clients that recognize that there is a learning curve and they will get better, they stay more consistent over the long term and see more success. Or maybe they go into an eating strategy where we are moving all of their snacks to meals and they really struggle. Every single day they want those snacks and they're recognizing that they really just do it because they're stressed or they're bored or they're tired and they just suck at avoiding snacks. And that's okay. It happens. It's all right for you to not be great at something. The more you can recognize that, the faster you'll move forward. I always tell people, I encourage you, no matter what it is, whatever new skill you are doing, try to just make yourself do that skill every single day for 15 to 20 minutes for the first 30 to 60 days, and you will get better at it. There is no way to not get better at something, even the things we're not great at in life, just from diligent practice. Next one. I don't even know what number we're on, so we're going to say number 13. They don't let consistent social gatherings deter their attendance, and they don't let travel deter their attendance. And they don't let work overwhelm their attendance. So I lumped 13 through 15 into one. And each of these is important because consistency is absolutely the name of the game. If you cannot stay consistent, you train three months, drop off one. Oftentimes you'll go through a whole year and find that you're right back where you started. And with each of these, it comes back to the profit first method of putting your workouts in first. Now, these three things really do apply when you're starting. Your first 12 to 16 weeks, you have to find a way to make workouts become the priority over social gatherings, travel, and work. And then later, you can start learning how to weave within and out of that. But if every time 
you decide, yep, I got invited to dinner. I'm choosing that. Yep, I have this show I want to watch with my partner, et cetera, et cetera. The difficulty in that is you always chose something else over your own physical health. And it comes into one of the next things I want to talk about, which is number 16, which is they set boundaries with friends and significant others. And this doesn't just have to be your partner and your friends. It could be your work friends. It could be your work relationships that if we do not set boundaries, then we will let social gatherings, travel and work overwhelm our attendance and progress. Number 17, you have a plan for how you will approach your eating behaviors in social scenarios. This is one of the biggest struggles for those looking for weight loss when it comes to their overall health, that they go in and had no plan for what type of foods am I going to be around? How am I going to approach when I have all these different things I have accessibility to? What is my hunger level going to be like going into this? Should I eat a dinner before it? How should I structure my day leading into it? It sounds like a lot of thought initially, and that seems stressful, I know. But if you put a lot of thought now, you will start reacting to it just instinctively later. As an example, if you know you have a lot of social gatherings, a lot of frequent social gatherings, to where you're doing them multiple times a month or even a week, having a plan here is useful. How you approach your breakfast and lunch, maybe eating before you go to that area, or recognizing hunger and fullness so that you don't go to these and just overeat, overeat, overeat. And so we have these conversations. An easy way to say it is my clients that have success are willing to have conversations about their eating behaviors in social scenarios. So I hope this was helpful for you. These are just a few tidbits of the kind of tips and tricks that my clients uh, do. <clears throat> so I hope you enjoyed this. As you can see, this is just some very common traits of my most successful clients and the things they're willing to face and put into their daily routine to see long-term success. Mm -hmm.